0: Now, now, without further ado, Let me hear it's the Buck and
1: deck show. This is a stupid show.
0: Today's show is
1: brought to you by Flashback Fridays. If you find 80s hair band music in your child's iTunes library, that's considered good
2: parenting.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, whatever. Good afternoon. Good whatever. Evening. You can't really say good morning or good evening. Because we don't know when people listen to the podcast. That's true.
2: Can you turn up my headphones a little bit, just a tiny bit? One, two, check.
0: One nine, or five. It's, it's as high as it'll go. Oh wow! Okay. You're so high maintenance. Yeah, your mic's on. This sounds different now. Oh wait, hold on. Let me see. Check, check. On.
2: Check, check. How's my sound? Oh, there it is. There, there. We Perfect.
0: Go. Yes. There we go. Make me sound good. I always do.
2: I don't know about that. I never listen back, so I'm just trusting you.
0: Yeah, I know. You don't listen to the podcast. Why
2: would I? I'm on it.
0: No? I think we need counseling. <laughs> no, I think we need a therapist. I'm actually going to, one thing that I am going to do is since we just had Kit Missile on, uh, which was a great episode, by the way. Thank you, Kit Missile, for joining us. I think we need to get a couples counselor. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, she brought up that
2: idea, and I'm, I'm in. I actually have to be out of here by 2.30 because my therapist will call me at
0: 2.30. I don't think we're going to be that long. I think we'll be much faster than that. So, yeah. um, But uh, today's a very special day for the podcast. I'm very excited about what we've got cooking today.
2: Yeah. Phil on Schmashmal will be
0: on the show today. <laughs> Don't be a dickhole. What? All right. Don't be, be a dickhole. Don't be a dickhole. Bill Unsnashenal. Anselmo. Unsnamo. Anselmo.
1: Anselmo.
0: He's the kind of guy that would like Jay and Silent Bob you and like drive out to your house and probably kick your ass. Probably the right. He's kind of creepy. He's not creepy. He Little just bit. He just seems like the kind of dude that doesn't take any bullshit from anybody. He's like a bro. And we're going to find he's not like a bro. He's a not bro. Not even like a bro. Bro rock. He's like a dude like dude dude rock he's one of those guys you could have a conversation with just by saying the word dude over and over in different inflections mm-hmm. and totally understand like he speaks my dude language like 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 we could just test this out like dude i don't speak dude I, yeah you i'm not a douche you. you speak dude <laughs> you no know, you speak you speak, you, douche. you speak dude more than more <laughs> well, than anybody else why i do yeah. not you're a dude with all I'm your crossfitting fire department, <laughs> okay. stair climbing, marathon running. Uh,
2: by the way, did you notice uh, I unfriended you and blocked you on Instagram? <laughs> you
0: didn't even notice. It. I didn't even notice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I totally unfriended Buck and blocked you on Instagram.
0: <laughs> Why would you do that? What do
2: you mean? From your comment yesterday,
0: all right? Was it yesterday? That was the
2: last straw. That was the last straw, my friend.
0: But you know, I'm not the only one, right? What do you mean? Like other people have talked about your yeah, I don't care. Your posting deficiency that then, you have, then
2: they shouldn't follow me. I don't care. I honestly don't. Can't care. you just
0: post it in those groups and like the runners groups and keep it off of your timeline? No. Why not? Because I don't want to. I can because do whatever
2: I want. I'm just it's,
0: asking. I'm just, I can hey. post whatever I want. I'm just keeping it real,
2: bro. If people don't want to look at my stuff, then they shouldn't follow me. Dude, just like I unfollowed you. I don't care what you post. So I might as well unfollow you, dude? See, you just did it.
0: So Phil Anselmo from the band Pantera Down Superjoint Ritual, he's going to be calling in here in a minute. And we're going to be talking to him about his new project that he's got called N Minor. Yeah. Wholesome, Louisiana. Hi, you've reached the Buck Dex podcast.
2: Hey, Buck, this is Kate. I'm here with Philip
1: Anselmo.
0: Awesome. Well, let's uh, bring him on over and get this thing fired up.
1: Cool, cool. Here you go.
2: Congratulations. I didn't think this was going to happen. Hello?
0: Phil. Bill. Hey, Buck. Hey, how's it going? It's actually Buck and Dex. We're uh, a former radio show host and now we do a podcast and we fucking fight all the time. We think we need counseling. Buck and what? Dex. Dexter. D-E-X. Uh, Dexter.
1: Got it. All right, yeah. Buck and Duck, what's happening, yo? Yeah. Know,
2: man. Hey, did was, you guys ever have any counseling in the band? Did you guys have your own therapist? Because Buck and I, we need a therapist.
0: Phil, we've, we we did a morning radio program for 15 years together, and now we're doing this podcast, and we think it's probably high time that we get some counseling.
2: Yeah, I just unfriended him and blocked him on Instagram. So.
1: <laughs> God, I wish I could understand you guys a little better. I, I can hear a little. Oh, man. Yep. I will try. I, I'm deaf anyway. I'm listening. Go ahead.
0: Let's Oops. see
2: if we can fix it. Yeah. Hold on. Can
1: you hear us a little bit better? I can hear you. What about Deck? How
2: about me? Can you hear me? Any better?
1: Deck, you're a little, you're a little far off. Man. How
2: about now? Is that good?
1: Better. A little better
2: for sure. A little better. Okay. Okay. Cool. All
0: right. We'll just we'll roll like this. We, I think we got All it right. under control. Sorry about that.
1: No, man. T- y'all take your time.
0: Bill, I've been super excited to talk to you. Being in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we're kind of a, we're kind of a different animal as far as a city when it comes to music because. New Mexico and Albuquerque in particular, I've always said this, is a very, very metal town, all right? Very, very metal town. So when the opportunity popped up for us to be able to talk to you, as far as I'm concerned, and I mean, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or anything, but I really do believe that you and the, the work that you've done, you know, through Pantera, through Down, through Superjoint, um, in Albuquerque, you would kind of be considered like metal vocal royalty. You know, people are pretty excited that we get to talk to you today, and and uh, you know, it's it's kind of a big deal for Albuquerque that that you actually took the time to to pop on here and do this with us. So we're super appreciative of uh, of you doing this. So so thank you so much for this.
1: Oh come on, man! That's it's. I'm super appreciative. Uh, I man, I'm just chilling out enjoying the early cool weather here finally here in uh, New Orleans and um looking forward to the New Orleans football Saints tonight so yeah. man I, I'm loving it y'all appreciate y'all having me
2: How's uh, how's pandemic life been for you Phil
1: Well I, I'm a, I'm about an hour out of New Orleans and I'm on well I mean, about twenty acres of of woods and land right on the small Shifunk, the river, and my studio is out here, and our base of operations are out here so really i I don't mind it so much i I think eventually I'm gonna go a little crazy, you know, uh, wanting to do some gigs, wanting to get out. And and definitely have my band members in to to actually record, you know, and 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 be with them and just see them. I haven't seen some of my guys, you know, I'm in a lot of different bands, but I I I haven't seen a lot of my guys in many 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 months. So I, I think to answer your question, it's been okay for me, but you know, just like everybody else, I'm I'm kind of anxious to get back at it. Yeah, myself. for sure.
0: What's your What's your opinion on all this whole? coronavirus thing i mean i think it's easy to sit back and be kind of an armchair quarterback you know and 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 talk about you know well it's it's not as bad as it is some people say it's as bad as it is i've got a wife that's an or nurse and she's just she's fucking over it man she's like you know what she's like this shit is dangerous but it's not that dangerous you know that's kind of her opinion and I mean, she's in an operating room with people, you know, all the time, and she's not really freaked out by it. So what's what's your what's the take down in uh, in in New Orleans about this?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I can't really say, except that my father has had it, and how he lived through it, I'll never know. Uh, he he made it, you know, uh, and two of my sisters that are also nurses, they both had it as well and man their description of of said this is not nice man three weeks of just fever and chills and all that goes with it and the cough and all that sounds awful you know so i don't know man i would not want to catch it but you know I, i you know i honestly i that's all I know is, you know, I've, I have had family members that have had it, so I know it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it's just, you know, I guess we got to sit and wait it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Phil, let's just kind of dive into stuff. So, um I kind of want to talk about, uh obviously, the beginnings of your career, and then kind of just work through systematically... All of the projects that you've been involved in. So, if that's cool. So, in, in, if, if my research is correct, in 87 was when you joined Pantera. Is that correct? And you guys released your, your first album together as a group in 88?
1: Yeah, early 88. Yes, that's true.
0: So, what was the mindset of, you know, not only you, but the entire band going into, into this project? Because, when Pantera first started out, before you got there, they were kind of like a kind of like a glam slash hair metal band, whatever you want to call it. And then after you joined the band, what I'm reading is that the band, you know, the guys were obviously super super impressed with you. But the way your vocals were were uh, were coming across, you guys all collectively decided to go in a different direction than what they were doing. Is that correct?
1: I mean, to a degree, it is you know I was so, so young, man, I was very young and so were they, but you know um while while I was growing up in New Orleans and singing in different bands, playing in every little club around here they they were popular, man, they had done really well uh on their own and and their singer left and I eventually met with them, you know, and tried out uh and we were you know, the the bulk of that stuff was Judas Priest covers and Van Halen and, and just stuff like that, cover songs. Anyway, uh I think it was agreed then and there that we were going to head in a heavy direction, a heavier direction. Oh, uh, and this is early. Like I said, this is like my first meeting with them. So the the talk was okay. Let's let's move into a heavier direction. And uh, I mean, I can't get out of this little uh, tirade I'm on without saying the the first record that I did with them. I I think I started tracking that record two weeks after I was in the band. So we didn't know each other uh, the band didn't know the direction all that well it was just what they did they they wanted to be productive they wanted to get me in the studio and get me used to all these chops because they were way ahead of the game than me but one thing I had was a great knowledge of what was going on in the underground with, with heavy metal and hardcore music and I think that worked uh, as a, uh, a benefit, you know, to, to turn those guys on to harsher bands, heavier tones, heavier, heavier genres of music. And, and that's what I did, you know, so It's funny the way it worked out, too, because after we had released the Power Metal record, we kind of got to know each other a little better and then began writing the stuff for the Cowboys from Hell record. And then that stuff was written. And then that's when we got the record deal. We had been, uh, oh, geez. After 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 Cowboys? Yeah, this was heading into the Cowboys from Hell record. Now, We had been playing all that Cowboys from Hell material way before we got signed. So the local audiences, you know, throughout Fort Worth and Houston and Texas, you know, and and some parts of Louisiana, they knew those songs. They knew the Cowboys from Hell songs very well. And that's why I tell people that by the time we got, or honestly, by the time we got into recording the Cowboys From Hell record, our attitude, our attitude was so much more vulgar display of power, which was our next record. So, it was like, I don't know, recording the Cowboys From Hell stuff was like, oh, it was like, man, you know, I wish we were recording new stuff, but anyway, you know, it was like going backwards, sort of, for us, but we knew those songs had uh, a lot of them had, had some character, so you know. Anyway, yeah.
0: What was it like as a young man? I mean, because you were pretty young. So you're. I think you were born. You're. What are you? Fifty two. So I'm. I'm forty nine. I think you're a couple of years older than me.
1: I was born in 1968.
0: Okay. So you're. Yeah. So you're fifty two. So what was it like as a young man going through that process? You know, in the late '80s, early '90s. <clears throat> I mean, because. I'm I'm rather old school and I still have a lot of my VHS tapes that I've saved from bands that I used to follow and I had this one uh this one VHS tape of you remember how the bands would release like the you guys would do like the behind the scenes with Pantera and it would just be you guys touring and somebody had a camera and they were shooting stuff like that I mean it looked pretty insane what was it like talk to us a little bit about what it was like for you your experience as a young man going through those times transitioning out of that out of that glam, you know that that scene that was around for so long and really permeated the '80s, and really kind of taking a leap of faith and just going a completely different direction.
1: Well, it was it was war because I I, I, I was I, once again I was so young and I, and I guess when when I started singing heavy metal in all earnest. You know, in '85, '86 here in New Orleans, it was like I kind of outgrew the talent level of the bands that I were that I that, that I was in, and that's when the Pantera guys, you know, took notice of me and and me of them, and that's when we got together. But of course, when I joined the band, it was it was um. You know, I was still the young guy in the game, and what I didn't un- what I didn't realize was, after Terry Glaze, their their original lead singer, had quit the band, they had been through five different fill in type guys. They didn't want to miss a beat. They didn't want to miss a gig. They didn't want to not gig because their original singer had left the band um but in doing all this their audience had diminished and and when i joined the band we were playing empty rooms so it was like starting all over again plus i had this in my head that i'm going to make this uh, a true heavy metal band and and you know i think the the other guys they wanted to be that as well, but I once again I don't I don't think their knowledge of what was going on in the underground was as good as mine. So I kept I kept it I kept after them man, and I, I kept turning them on to different bands and all this stuff. And it was uh, you know it was showing up in our music. You know it, it was it was telling. the the transformation in our music. So uh, a different audience started coming in and seeing us. And now you got to understand this was club shows back in the day. And with club shows, there was all kinds of rules. And number one rule was that you had to dress a certain way. And that was in the glam, whatever style of that era Uh, or you did not get the gig. So here we were up on stage with spandex (laughs) and all this stuff on, but we're playing this heavier and heavier stuff. So the crowd is like, uh, you know, half of them are mortified. The other half are loving it. And so the people, for the people that are loving it, man, very soon, those people were outnumbering any glam fans at all. And that was about 80, uh, towards the end of 88. And I, and I've told the guys in the band, I said, look, we don't need these damn costumes anymore. We are packing these places out. We don't need the rules. We are the exceptions to the freaking rules. We're going, you know, we're, 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 busting the mold, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and and really it was true. That's exactly what we did. And off came those damn costumes. I could wear a T shirt, pair of shorts, be comfortable and, and and just go for it. And honestly, I gotta say this and and I won't be too long winded, but um Slayer came through town at the beginning uh, or the end of Rain and Blood Tour, maybe the beginning of South of Heaven tour. And the night before they played, they came out to see us play at a bar. And so we met Kerry King and Tom and Jeff Hanneman was out that night, and we had a blast with those guys. But me and Kerry King, we we uh we swapped digits. And I would call him, he'd call me, you know, we'd we'd check in with each other. And I got to say, about the third time he had come down to visit, he said, man, if I come down this time, I want to jam. I said, well, we got a a gig this weekend, let me talk to the guys. Anyway, one thing led to the next, and Kerry came down, and... We played three, four Slayer songs. Kerry learned like four Pantera songs. And we did a bunch of Judas Priest and stuff together. And man, I mean, there had to be 700 kids packed into a 500 capacity place. And it was just iconic. And I, and I do want to say that I think that with Kerry King coming down, it was. A great, great, great learning experience for Dimebag and, and, and the rest of everybody, but mostly for Dimebag at learning the power of thrash riffing and stuff like that. You know, and it brought him up to speed, so to speak. And so, you know, That was a big thing for us.
2: Go ahead, Dix. Phil, are you uh, still into boxing? Are you doing any boxing at the moment? What are you doing to keep in shape?
1: kayaking and hitting the bag man that's what i do nice
2: you looking forward to seeing mike tyson fight again
1: no 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 i i I still follow the heavyweight division very 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 closely um and i guess with mike tyson i mean he's two years older than me, or th- two or three years older than me. And the last time he fought, I mean, I think Brian Scott knocked him out, which was, you know, uh, he it, it, it's past it. Plus, if he fights Roy Jones Jr., uh, poor Roy, uh, his punch resistance is completely gone. And I think if that fight actually happens, I don't see Roy making it out of the first round, really.
0: Yeah, one, one, one well-placed shot from Tyson will yeah. end anybody's career. It, it, I don't care who they are, today, even today.
1: Well, if former cruiserweight world champion Enzo Macarinelli can knock out Roy Jones, I can't even imagine why Mike Tyson couldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Alright, so Phil, so Pantera, you guys, you're getting through, you're, you're, you know, you're starting to get, you, you, that building process is happening for you guys, and you release Cowboys, you guys get the major l- record deal, right? You get signed to a, to a major, major label, and then you release Vulgar Display of Power, which, which in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, is probably one of the most important metal albums ever to come out in the history of metal. I mean just everything that was done on that record was it was kind of trailblazing you know it really was it was you know it's funny i was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and uh, he's a vocalist and i mean you guys are complete polar opposites but uh but he he's more of like a Halford Halford type versus you know versus like a you and the one thing he said to me was i thought was really was really interesting was that when that album came out essentially he felt like you left Halford in the dust with this new sound that you were bringing to, to heavy metal music. Um, do you ever get comparisons like that from people? Do you have people kind of ever talk to you about like how important that record was? I mean, as, as far as the way that it's shaped and, and really, I mean, you look at a lot of these new bands that are out right now, you know, you look at like Beartooth and, and, and guys like that. And I mean, there's obviously an influence from from you guys and what you did there what what was it like as far as I'm trying to think out like the best way to put this like what what was it like for you as far as um i don't want to say the recognition but just just the way that that album impacted uh the music industry at that
1: time you know we're talking about vulgar display of power here so And one thing I also want to make very clear, Rob Halford was one of my biggest influences as a kid. And I could, I I mean, if you listen to the Cowboys from Hell record, I was still nailing Halford-esque type notes. And just to be clear, in my mind, going into vulgar display of power I thought to myself, you know, there already, there's already Rob Halford. Rob Halford is, is untouchable. There's already a Rob Halford. So, I I wanted to, oh man, I wanted to step into a rougher and raunchier version. Of the voice that I, I did have and I wanted to do more extreme things with it and be creative within that extremity, which at the time, you know, you know, you had thrash metal and stuff like that going on, heavy metal, whatnot. But I wanted to take that type of vocal and, uh, you know, build off of it and and do different things and i had really i I wanted to so bad and i did try and do stuff and at the time when i recorded it all i I had no idea i really i had no idea if it was gonna take if people would like it what the hell was gonna happen really and and i just i went with it I, i followed my gut instinct and and man i It sure seemed to, to pay off, man. And I, it's, it's hard for me to look back on and and think about what I was feeling at that time because honestly, I feel like, you know, going back to a boxing analogy, I still, I still felt like, uh, uh, the starving fighter, not just a hungry fighter. I was starving, man. And I was, um, I was vicious. I was, I was, I was, ruthless in my approach and and all of us live we were a dangerous band man we were we were very entertaining let's just put it that way
0: (laughs) yeah no I've I've seen you multiple times I mean I was fortunate enough to be able to see uh, Pantera multiple times and and I have to say probably one of the coolest most frightening events I've ever been to (laughs) was I hear you you guys came to Albuquerque and you played, uh, you played the convention center. And this was the tour with Prong and Sepultura. And it, Great tour. it was the most insane fucking thing that I've ever seen in my life. Like, I've, I mean, I, and I've been, you know, I worked in radio for 25 years, you know, and I've seen big shows. And I mean, this was probably five, 6,000 people, something like that. But, the energy and the reaction that the crowd gave to what you guys were doing on stage was seriously probably one of the coolest shows I've ever seen. I mean, it was just the way that they engaged with with you guys and the music. And and, and, a counterpoint to that is the way you guys engaged with the crowd as well. Really a super cool thing to, to experience and be a part of. It was... I remember somebody going down once and you like stopped in the middle of a song and you had somebody like pick this guy up out of the pit because these were the biggest pits I've ever seen in my life. You know, I mean, they were just, they were massive. And, um, and I remember seeing somebody go down and you actually stopping a song and helping that, you know, having somebody help that person get up. And, and it was uh, man, it was fucking insane. It was so cool.
1: Well, yeah, man, I'm glad you were there. And yes, those were, lunatic times with the audience, man. Those were some of the most, I mean, pardon the word, but uh, violent audiences ever, you know. Just just those days, those early 90 days, this insane audiences. But, um, yeah, I, I, and, and going back to what you were saying, you know, how the crowd were vibing off of us and we we're vibing off the crowd... That's what we wanted to be man. We wanted to be that band that could merge with the audience and have them feel like we were one of them as well. And and honestly, I've always said it's true. I'm just a big music nerd, man, you know. I, I I've got talent. I I've got all that, yeah, but but still at the end of the day, I, man, I I love a lot of music out there and and I love I'm am a fan. I I'm a fan and I wanted I wanted the, the people out in the audience watching to know that I was a fan too and and we were fans. So, yeah, man, I'm glad you caught that vibe because that's exactly what we were trying to get across.
2: Phil, uh what's what's your guilty pleasures as far as like genre? You know, do you have any of those guilty pleasures out there that, you know, not a lot of people know about?
1: I don't know if I got guilt about any of my pleasures. Right, there we go. What are we, what, like, are we talking music? Sure, yeah. I mean, what's there to be guilty about? I, That's
2: true, yeah.
1: I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, what if I say, you know, I, I've been listening to david bowie's last record on repeat mm. you know i mean is is that guilty i don't think so i think i was david that like expecting
2: britney great. spears or something
1: oh, <laughs> you know. say what
2: britney spears you know like you last week you know you put on a britney spears record and you enjoyed
0: it he's he's projecting phil <laughs>
2: what's the name of the band britney spears
1: <laughs> oh britney spears I don't really know too much about Britney, yeah, I'll I,
2: I I was just saying, it would be funny if, <laughs> Phil, if you were like, ah, you know, Britney Spears. I like a little Britney Spears every now and then.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I gotta say, man, I, I don't know too much about, and I know Britney's been around for a long while, but I, I don't know too much about modern pop, you yeah, know. Yeah.
0: So that's actually, uh, that's kind of a great segue to kind of move on to to uh, you ultimately ended up leaving Pantera. And so you started the so the project. So the Down started as a side project, right? Because, I mean, it was like, didn't you just have the 25th anniversary for NOLA here recently? That is correct. Okay, so you guys had the 25th anniversary of NOLA. How did you start to, when did you know that you wanted to kind of maybe step away and go a different direction? Because it really seems to me like all of the projects i mean and and really what i'm doing is i'm categorizing this because i know you've been a part of much more than than what i'm about to say but the way that i'm i'm categorizing things right now is you have pantera which was kind of the the jumping off point for you and then you had down and then you had superjoint and now you have n minor and all four of those in, in my in my in my opinion are completely different i mean they're just absolutely just sonically not the same And I think probably the closest thing was, you know, when you started Superjoint, that was really, like, I fucking love Pantera. Like, I was a huge Pantera fan. I liked Down. But when Superjoint came out, that just kind of took me back to, like, 1985, 1986, and it had that real, like, thrashy sound to it. You know, it reminded me of, like, you know, like the Voivod and the Anthrax, the old, old Anthrax and the Exploited and stuff like that. And it just, it seems like everything was so sonically different. Was that kind of the idea of, of kind of making the exit from Pantera and, and, and working into Down Next?
1: Well, it's not quite how it really all went down, but I will say, since I, I mean, since I started in music, I knew that I loved and adored a lot of different, genres and styles and i was going i was going to be an explorer you know i was going to do a lot of different stuff and i always always wanted to and that brings me to why each band sounds so different from each other because it's supposed to when you do a different band you know I want to use my voice differently. I want the riffs to be different. I want the guitar tones to be different. I want everything to be different. So you can take any of those bands down, super joint, and we could go down the long list here. But really, I, I just wanted every band to have its own identity. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you can totally hear that. I mean, because like I said, you know, I mean, And I I don't know how they categorize all the music these days. I don't know about grindcore and all this stuff. It's like... No,
1: and you know what? Hey, that's that's for... That's, I mean... Like, the N minor stuff. It's like, before it came out, everybody kept asking me, what's it like, what's it like, what's it like? And I'm like, man, how do I even describe this stuff without anyone hearing it first? It, It was very tough for me. So bands like... The Cure would pop off my tongue or, you know, uh, Old U2 or something like that, you know, would come on. You know, I would say something and they would take that ball and run with it, but it was hardly accurate, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and mine is a very, very, very unique band in that that right for sure.
0: Yeah. Somebody asked me about that the other day when I was talking to him because they hadn't heard that you had this new side project. And the way that I described it was, and there's really nothing, I mean, for, for everybody listening right now, there's really nothing you can, like, accurately give as a portrayal of what N minor is, because it's, it's completely different than anything that, 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 that you've done. But, um, you know, when I was talking to somebody, I said, well, I said, it kind of has a vibe, like, melodically, a little bit like the bloodletting from Concrete Blonde, you know, that album and you know because it just I,
1: I actually don't is that which which concrete blonde record has uh if god is a bullet have mercy oh uh, that forever? was um that was the
0: one that was actually before bloodletting so that was the album oh, before see, that's, that's
1: the only one i have and i think that's a damn good record
0: yeah concrete blonde musically they're a fucking great band i mean her vocals are just they're
1: great Singer. Yes.
0: Second Gosh. to none. But that but that's but that bloodletting album kind of reminds me of that. And then obviously I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, and obviously with the tone of your voice, you know, there's like there's a little bit of Leonard Cohen in there, there's a little bit of uh what's the dude's name from typo negative? Um the guy who passed oh, away.
1: Pete Pete Steele.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of that. But I mean, sonically you can't really compare it to anything else because it's just it's so different than than anything you've ever done you know it people i was reading something about it and they said yeah it's kind of like a goth this and that you know kind of throwback from the 80s and it's like well you know i mean i guess but not really it's just it's different and it's and it's this new thing that you're doing
1: it is and uh i, I mean I, I gotta ashamedly say i'm not i don't know too much leonard cohen uh, I know I hear a lot about it, you know. Oh, Phil sounds like Leonard Cohen and Johnny Cash and all, you know. It's like, well, the only, you know, I think the only accurate, uh, comparison, I guess. I mean, I hear Nick Cave. I could say, yeah, I know me some Nick Cave for sure. Bad Seeds, birthday party, and just you know, the stuff, the stuff that he's done. But also, uh, I think is his name Michael Gear from Swans. Swans was a big influence for me. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, let me let me see. I, yeah, I, I think if yeah, Swans. If if you listen to Swans, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can totally see it. But like bands, I mean, I could go down. I mean, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Cure, The Church, Bauhaus. I mean, I, but also, I mean, I feel like I'm influenced for N minor by horror films, Italian horror films, the Giallo films, uh, um, Argento movies, and uh and all the soundtracks and all just, just the vibe of all that stuff. I feel like I'm super influenced by all of it, man. So, you know, there's no one soul influence. There's no two, three. I mean, it's, it's taking all of the melancholy songs written over the years that I've fallen in love with by popular bands or obscure bands. It's taking all that and really years and years and years of listening and influence you know I, I, i i took all that stuff and i guess i incorporated it within minor and i gotta say you know a lot of the stuff some of the stuff i'll say especially for the stuff that you guys have heard on the first record you know a lot of that was or some of it once again is is before pantera type stuff you yeah. know
0: yeah there's uh there's a band that I wanted to give a shout out to and when they were uh becoming popular and starting to gain some attention here just locally and some national people started taking an interest in them this record guy from uh from epic records he was uh he was a big fan of these guys and he said that uh he said his comparison to this band was that if Pantera, Metallica and Slayer had a baby, it would be this band Anesthesia. And uh and I know that Jake is probably listening to this right now. He was a, he's a huge fan, big Pantera fan, big, big Down fan, super joint. And uh <clears throat> yeah, big uh, big influence on those guys. So if you ever get a chance, you should check those guys out. Maybe you can uh you can pick them up and put them on your house core record label because uh, I know they're not doing anything right now, and they're uh, fucking phenomenal guys, man. Oh,
1: wow. Well, right on, Jake. Much love to you, brother. Um,
0: So talk to us a little bit about the 25th anniversary of the the NOLA thing. How did you guys uh, decide to do that uh, with Down? Like, uh, how did it come about? I mean, were you planning on something and then COVID hit, and so you decided to launch it differently, or what was the plan there?
1: Well, we had some gigs booked uh, in Europe, actually, um, for the 25th anniversary. And, and we were going to do a couple of New Orleans shows, stuff like that. So um, I think when uh, the COVID-19 thing broke and um, everybody was like, geez, how are we going to do this? You know there's bands that started doing the live streams and whatnot and uh we wanted to do a live stream but we wanted to up to production a little make it more like a show work on the sound a little because we realize everybody's gonna be you know most people would probably just have their laptops open or phones i don't know they they would just be listening through tiny little speakers so we wanted it to sound as impactful as possible and uh so yeah we got the live stream idea going my wife uh took the ball and ran with it she produced the whole thing and you know uh it turned out you know it, and, and it did well and uh yeah man uh definitely makes you work harder because i will say this like uh, over half those down songs if we were playing in a live situation i could just quit singing and just turn the microphone over to the audience (laughs) and let them think half everything so hey man I, i knew that i had to be on the ball on point and it made me a better singer really and that's the truth you know i actually had to practice and all the choruses out and do all that right so I don't mind getting to be you know I don't mind I don't mind that at all so that was cool and and doing the live stream was great man you know it was weird of course you know without an audience but at the same time you know the way I was sitting there and, and taking it it was like there's not an audience in the room with us but there sure as hell is an audience all around the world watching So, you know Let's yeah. give it to them Let's let them have it Yeah,
0: You think we're ever going to get back to concerts uh Normal again, you know, sometimes And I'm asking this question because Partly because I have a live music venue downtown A 1,200 seat venue that's just sitting empty right now And uh we got nothing going on So I'm a little bit discouraged at this point When do you think all this shit will come back to normal?
1: Oh, uh, you know I do think it'll be in increments, you know, they'll probably let, I'm, mean, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at American football right now. Week one, they had zero fans. Week two, they're leaking in a little more here and there, you know. Uh, I think that'll happen over time. I really do. I think it'll happen. Um, will it happen in 2021? I don't think it's full capacity. I really don't. And, 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 uh, I, without getting into any medical stuff that I really have no idea about, but I mean, won't this coronavirus mutate and take off and it won't there be another season for it again? So I don't know, you know. So I'm hopeful about all this. I hope it goes away quicker than it. I guess we are prognosticated up. too. I mean, we're all still sitting here at home, <laughs> you know so yeah. it's like you know we'll see yeah uh, you
0: know, yeah, who knows, so all right, so we'll we'll start wrapping things up um i I kind of wanted to ask you about like if you could create a super group, what would it look like, but really, I don't know if that's really a fair question because a lot of what you've done is i mean you could. Legitimately, say that you've been in a few super groups at this point. Um, oh,
1: for sure. I, and for me right now, my super group is N Minor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it really is, man. I, I so you who, have my yeah who's, stand of a cello player and whatnot. I mean, that's a super
0: group. Yeah. Who did you, so who are you working with? Um, is there anybody that anybody would like recognize, or are these just people that you've come across and you're like, yeah, I want to play music with that guy one of these days?
1: You're talking about what, N, N, minor? N minor? well minor. Um, well, Kevin Bond, who was in Super Joint, he plays guitar. Steve Taylor, who's probably the main riffster in the band, he um, he plays with me in the Illegals, but he he was in a band called 16 Horsepower a while back.
0: I remember those guys.
1: And, and also Woven Hand, and I, I know that they have a lot of, Fans on their own, you know, but he was the main guitar player and, and played on both those records. So he's got, uh, he's got so many riffs and so much creativity, and he's great with the N minor stuff. And and the rest of the guys, let me think. Um, Jimmy Bauer played drums, and we know Jimmy Bauer my hate god super joint you name it Uh, I'm trying to think Uh, Steve brought on board these the the Dover brothers the bass player and the keyboard player and they are from a non heavy metal background I'll say and then uh, gosh I don't want to leave anybody out Steve Bernal plays the cello and he's awesome Steve Bernal I'm not sure. He, he he plays some other type of music here and there. But he's a, I think he's a first-seat cello player in the, God, I don't want to get this wrong, San Antonio. Um, symphony? Ph- Philharmonic, yeah, Symphony, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but God, I hope I got the city right. <laughs> anyway. Man.
0: That's alright. He'll give you a pass if you don't.
1: It's fine. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's some guys that I've played music with before, which would sure, you know, fall into the heavy metal category. But, you know, figuring that N minor is so old, if, if you go back, you know, like to like 96 or 97, we were, we were called Body and Blood at the time. And, um, Kevin Bond played with us back then. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, gosh, who else? Yeah, Kevin Bond, he stuck around. So he's been playing some of this mellow stuff for a long time with me.
0: Hmm, cool. What, uh, what kind of stuff are you listening to that's new these days as far as, um, as far as like, uh, new metal that you, I don't know, there's something to float your boat. I mean, I have a, I have a twenty two year old stepson and and I'll be the first to admit it he's actually turned me on to a lot of stuff, but um, you know he's got me listening to this this band called Bear Tooth, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but fuck a phenomenal band um I
1: don't really know, like I say, I don't know enough about the younger bands now i'm due I'm due to do some exploring and and see what the the youngsters are up to for sure, but right now, man. Man, I'm, I listen to a lot of old stuff, man. A lot, a lot of old stuff. But there is a band that is, I'll say, at least I'll say current that I listen to that I like a lot from Norway called Virus. Mm -hmm. Oh, my Lord. They're like the dark voivod, man. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. This incredible band. And I hate to leave anybody hanging, you know, on on this, but uh, I mean, geez, uh, as far as me listening to stuff, like I say, I'm an old schooler, man. That's what I've been doing.
0: Dude, I've been listening to, uh, I'll I'll out myself right now, recently, probably over the past like month or two, I've been listening to a lot of old Merle Haggard and- uh, Wow. Yeah, and uh like old Willie Nelson. I don't know why, I'm just kind of in this kick right now, so that's my deal.
1: In the mood, huh?
0: In the mood. In the mood for some Merle. Merle Haggard. I think probably because... You
1: know, I'm looking at this quarantine play- playlist that I made, and I got the Smiths, David Bowie, Christoph Comeda, which I don't know if you know who that is. He's the, he did a lot of... Uh, soundtrack stuff. Nick Cave, you ever hear the Pink Fairies, man?
0: No. Uh, they're an older band from the UK.
1: Uh, Pink Fairies are great, man. Shit. Herman Copp, which is, he did a lot of the soundtrack stuff for the necromantic movies. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I listen to horror soundtracks and shit. Virus, Death in June, David Essex, Paul Giovanni is, is an older artist who, he, he did a lot of, um, uh, pagan, old pagan songs, redid a Matter of fact, he did the, the original Wicker Man 1972 soundtrack, I do believe. So yeah, man, I listen to a bunch of old crap, Jesus.
0: Have you ever thought about getting a hold of Rob Zombie since that's kind of his deal and maybe trying to collaborate on something with him? Because I could I could maybe imagine the way that that would sound or turn out.
1: Are you talking about music? Yeah. No, I never have thought about that. Well, I mean, I've known Rob a long time. Good dude. Well, Real good dude.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's got this, he's become like a, a very prominent filmmaker as far as his horror movies are concerned and you know obviously the music he does is that seems like it would just be like fit like a glove you two working together
1: Ah, i mean you know i got my thing going on he's got his thing going on it's one of those one of those situations i'm sure
0: yeah Alright, Phil. Well listen, I'm sure we've kept you long enough, man. We really seriously really, really appreciate you taking the time to uh just come on and, and talk to everybody in Albuquerque. Like I said, you know, you're uh you're uh you're you're one of the greats, so we just appreciate your time.
1: Man, I appreciate y'all, and it's a big deal to me too, and I love Albuquerque and uh, you know, I know we touched on it, but when things get back to some semblance of normalcy if it does i can't wait to play there again and see everybody and keep doing what we do man i appreciate y'all having me on big time i really do and i send my love to y'all and continued success
0: all right well hey phil thank you so much for your time
1: absolutely love y'all man be cool bye-bye
0: so what do you think now great guy Great guy. Yeah. So you're telling me that that person that we were talking about before we started this interview, they were completely wrong. That or maybe they just
2: got, when they met him, that he was having a rough day.
0: Do you remember the first time we interviewed Rob Zombie? Mm Mm-hmm. How big of a dick was he that day?
2: Oh, he was a dick a couple times, and then all of a sudden, we interviewed him, and he was just awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a phone interview with him, and he was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I
2: think we interviewed him once too down at the pavilion, and he was, he was, he was a dick, and then he was nice. So you know, I think it just depends on the day.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Everybody has bad days. Yeah,
2: you know, we have bad days. You know, we've been accused of being dicks as well, especially you.
0: No, especially you. <laughs> I mean, your dickishness is what got us fired. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that's not according you. to Chuck anyway. Oh,
2: okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pretty surprised. He was a really nice guy.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened, like uh with the audio, but I've just apologized to all you guys for it. I'll see if I can't fix it. Um But it started feeding back a little bit and I unplugged it and plugged it back in and it sounded amazing.
2: Crystal clear.
0: Crystal clear. Yeah, you Hulk know, it
2: was holding it and it was falling off the couch and I grabbed it and then it started going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know it's funny is uh, is his wife. She's his manager, and she emailed me, and I forgot to ask him about this. But she said that he was going to be calling from a landline because he doesn't have a cell phone or a smartphone. Oh, and I said, "Fuck! I wish I didn't have a cell, a smartphone, or a cell phone." <laughs> Seriously, one of these days, man. nineteen seventy-seven, come
2: back, please. One of these days. It would be nice. It would be hard. It would be like kicking a drug habit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, once you got past...
0: How many know, hours a day on your are you on your phone? You were on your phone the whole time during the interview. He was like watching videos on Instagram. Well, or... it was
2: kind of your thing, you know. That's your guy. So, I didn't... I asked my questions, you know. You did ask your questions. I just kind of let Where'd you... Where did you find
0: out about the boxing thing?
2: Oh, it was a listener. Uh,
0: oh, okay. Up with some questions. So. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I got to uh, ask a few questions from the listeners and I
0: don't
2: know... It's not my style of music that I really care about. You know, I'm not into the history of
0: Pantera. I thought the fire department guys are. Don't you all like when you're (laughs) when when, when an engine's getting fired up? Don't you? Not even a firefighter. Don't you You blare walk as like as loud as it can go? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a firefighter. Maybe they do. I went to uh, my buddy's firehouse once. He's a lieutenant for (laughs) Bernalillo County, and I had to stop and drop something off to him. and they were all working out, and Pantera was just fucking bla- and it was blaring inside their <laughs> weight room. Did they have room. their shirts off? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they were all fist bumping and chest bumping. Is that what it's like to be a firefighter? I, appa- I don't know, apparently. Oh, man. You're going to okay. have to make sure your chest is nice and shaved, though, <laughs> so you don't like stick anybody when you guys do your chest bumps oh after gosh. you save a burning kitten from a building <laughs> or whatever. That's
2: amazing. Yeah,
0: so, all right, well, Phil Anselmo, that was our guest. I have no idea who's coming up next, but... um. You know, we got to bring Tate Fletcher back here again. Oh,
2: yeah. He's so great.
0: That was amazing. I guess a new season of The Mandalorians coming here pretty
2: yeah? quick. Yeah? So he didn't die in the first season? Because I didn't finish the first season. No, he
0: did die in the first oh. season. Oh. oh. Spoiler. Sorry. Oh. No, Sorry. Well, and I just
2: assumed if he came back, then he would be in the second season. Again.
0: Yeah. And then also, um, Carlos Condit is going to come back on... Before his fight, nice. before he leaves for Abu Dhabi, so Good. we're probably gonna have to book that in the next week or so. But Fight Island, Fight Island, yeah. Mm. But what I didn't tell Carlos was, and don't if you guys hear this, don't fucking tell him, okay. But Master Ken is actually going to make an appearance and show up mm. and give him some advice on how much he at the UFC's bullshit, what he needs to do for the fight. Nice, <laughs> I love that. That's good. So, Master Ken will actually be in, and I haven't told Carlos this yet, but Master Ken's actually going to come in and give him some advice before no. his fight.
2: It'll be great, because uh, Carlos is kind of an awkward guy, as it is, so it'll be, be amazing. super,
0: super it's be amazing. awkward and amazing. Amazing. Follow us
2: on Instagram, Facebook, yeah, all that stuff, Buck and Dex Army.
0: Don't forget to uh, patronize our sponsors, Unleash Sports Nutrition, mm-hmm. Pure Life, for all your medical cannabis needs, and if you need a mortgage for your house... You got to call this guy at Waterstone Mortgage named Michael Bowen. He's your guy. All right. He's your guy. He he will take care of you.
2: Hopefully, you guys are okay out there.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Go listen to some Pantera.
1: That's all we got. There ain't no more. Time is tight. It's the end of the show.